Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a artist, musician, band, just music, talking, talking about music and all that stuff. And this week, we're talking about Sigoros. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. This is Tyler. And once again, this week, we can we let's all agree that is the right way to pronounce the band's name so we're not all Correct. saying it weird. It's Seal Rose. Jared, you say it. No, I will not. <laughs> You're just gonna I'll ask Bjork. <laughs> she signed them. That's that's you true. Do. That's true. It's true. I have a few things I learned and I will uh Pepper them throughout the episode so that I sound oh, a little more. Oh, uh, huh? Try it. Just try to say it. No. Wouldn't you give it a good old once? Bob Seagaros. That's yeah, what we could have done. Clo- that's a, that's actually closer than you think it is. That would have been a, that would have been a better episode than this. So now that we've agreed on the uh, the pronunciation name th- yes. that Jared will never I mean really we should probably just not say any of the names of anything here if we unless somehow no, I one have of a us pronunciation learned. guide open for your for your ease when need when it's needed that's that's a useful for plan. the for the songs we can just give it the uh, oh, for the songs we could just give it the uh, uh, subtitle or whatever they for for the songs that they wrote, this group, they called the song something else, so we can just call them those songs instead it, of the original not, title. It's not see. that it's a subtitle; it's the translation, typically. Yeah. Okay, that's not. It's not a, a subtitle. It's that if you translated it from Icelandic, not to always. English, no, because not uh, always. the song, which I will say incorrectly, "Hopepola," uh, which is uh, something about a puddle. That's what it's translated to, mm-hmm. but they called it the money song because when they wrote it, oh. they knew they had money. You see, because it was going to be a commercial success. I see, which what is something they never should ever think about any of their songs. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> they got bigger than I would have anticipated. Yes, for indeed, sure, based indeed. on their sound and their genre and everything. But anyways, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell me about how you felt about listening to Old Cigaros this week? Enjoyed it for the most part. It's kind of um, an interesting. I mean, it's post rock. I I think that's what I think we can all kind of agree that's where it fits best. Yeah, but um, it's kind of different than other post rock because it's influenced by um, really not as much uh, like the guitar, textural, bass, cinematic things, but a lot more of like lighter sounds and string work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the falsetto vocals, of course, kind of take it to a point where it's all very light. Yeah, kind of feeling and like airy, and so Very it's a little often. bit different than like a normal post rock thing. I also think it doesn't. I really enjoy it, but I don't think that it has the builds and fluctuations in the same way. And because it's because the dynamics aren't quite as dramatic as they are in some of the more modern, which is the word I will use. I think makes sense here. Uh, post rock groups mm. that we talk about. Um, it means that the growing and swelling doesn't seem to be as dramatic or as apparent. But it's it's all odd. in all, it's pretty good, I think. It's odd because I think that they do have like a pretty evidently dramatic sound. Like it's definitely like a cinematic, dramatic, you know, symphonic, however you want to describe it, kind of sound. But it definitely is never like, or rarely, I guess, rarely is it like in your face about right. it. Which is typically like that's kind of the the idea of like post rock that most people consider is that it's like. Like it's it's kind of like uh, Sigaros, but then louder. Like it, they they basically just do the early part of a typical post rock song. They never get to the end of a post yeah. rock song. It's kind of a pre build. Yeah. The other but thing not, th- they do have builds, but it's more like instead of building from a just a what seems to be a normal sound and then getting much louder and then much more dense. It starts to build a lot of their songs more build from like nothing into a certain level of density without changing dynamic a whole lot. Yeah. You know, they kind of swell outwards instead of upwards in a way. Yeah. They also um, typically with post rock. And I think this is one of the things that'll be definitely worth talking about. um, 
instead of doing post rock, which is usually instrumental, there are still vocals, but the vocals are, um, I think it's easy to see that the vocals of the music that they make are probably not the most important piece, like understanding the lyrics because they do work without having to understand them. And not just because like, Oh, they're speaking a different language, but also because sometimes they're not speaking a real language. Like, if they can do that and make music that people would want to listen to, um, then I would have to assume that specifically what's being said is not the important part about what the vocals are doing. Yeah, with his vocal style anyway, it's like the falsetto style that he utilizes. That register fills a range in a song that is otherwise unfilled. So it's a, it acts more in terms of a layer than anything else anyway. Yeah. Jared, I know that you uh, were not early into listening to this group. If you don't have to say their name, this group. Um, did you end up changing your mind at all? Was there like a specific album or song where you're like, okay, I am enjoying at least part of this, or did you just hate it front to back, left to right? Um, I like uh, Hippie Pola. Or whatever you call it, the puddle song. I mm -hmm. knew, I knew that song. That was the only song I knew by them, uh, and I like that song still. Uh, I liked a little bit of the, I think newest album uh, called the. Uh, whatever it's called, it has like a little. The one that uh, was released in two thousand thirteen. Like a little ghost on the front, mm -hmm. with a second head. Uh, I like some of the stuff from that. I like the song Is Jockey. That's a pretty good tune. But uh, mostly, I don't know. I didn't. I wouldn't say I liked it. No. Yeah, sure. I had a feeling. I I thought maybe you would enjoy um, their fifth album, which I definitely am not going to try and pronounce. Is it the one with a bunch of words? The longer, the, the one with the naked butts on it. Oh, my. Uh, which is with a buzz in our ears, we play endlessly is the uh, translation of the longer title of that one. Um, oh, I did not like that album. Really? No, no, no. You didn't like it at all? No, no, no. I figured you'd like it because a lot of that is a little bit more like almost kind of like a a bright arcade fiery like kind of um, <laughs> indie now. folk kind of sound. Yeah, acoustic guitars. The guitar in general is a lot more present on that album. Yeah. You didn't like know. anything about it? No. Oh, man. You seem like extra not happy about that album. I just, I mean, I wasn't extra not happy. I, you thought I would like it, and I didn't. Oh. Huh. I, I, I don't have any more gripe about that one than most of the other ones. I suppose. I mean, I, I would think that, I guess, like, I would imagine knowing you that it's not that there was really an album that stood out, because I feel like to you in some kind of way, it would have been more like just like white noise. Like it's all just kind of happening. And like this album sounds the same as this album sounds like this album sounds like this album. Like you wouldn't necessarily, and this isn't like a, a, a um, uh, insult towards you, just mm. knowing your way of listening to music. Mm. I don't think that you would listen deeply for some of like the small changes that happen in albums. Does that make sense? I suppose. I like uh, some of the, Anth like anthemic or uh like kind of sounds like uh like a film which we'll get into that maybe a little bit mm -hmm. but uh some of those songs and albums where it gets it builds mm -hmm. that i enjoyed that a little bit more than but the problem is is you have to get to it and sometimes it's like a nine minute song and it's like by the time it gets to it I do not care anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, the way that you put that, though, like, you would expect that it would be long because if it's similar to, like, a film no, score. No, no, no. It doesn't have to be. Well, if it's similar to a film score, you're expecting it to be longer because, like, this is some kind of or orchestral piece that's going to be, uh -huh. like, fully fleshed out. Like, it's very difficult for a song that is, like, a, 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 a typical Sigaro song, the reason that it is so long is because it's building in some kind of way um, similar to like a symphonic type song where like it doesn't start at like this really catchy all right we're all here kind of thing uh, which is why I mentioned the fifth album so like the very first track uh, gobbledygook uh -huh. um, 
is like it just immediately jumps in. It's like a three minute long song. Like it's very clearly more of like an indie rock kind of pop song, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's so short. Is because it gets straight to the point as soon as it plays. It's very different from a lot of their other stuff. So that's why I figured that's something that would have landed more with you because they're shorter songs. They're a little bit more catchy. I don't know. I just figured that was something that you'd bite into a little bit more, I guess. But that's okay if it didn't. Tyler, did you have specific albums that stood out to you? Yep. Let's hear them. Uh, the two that stood out to me most prominently were uh, the first album that we listened to after removing their debut, Algaitis mm-hmm. uh, Beryum. That album's pretty cool. I really like that album. That's um, it still has some guitar work in it that mimics some of the what we are like know of uh, from post rock, but it's just kind of toned down a little bit more. But it builds as a it's got it, it fills its own layer under there. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just sounds in that one a, a lot. Some of the songs stuck out to me a lot. Some of like the small, you know, it's hard to find melodic bits in some of these songs because it's not like they don't have it, but a lot of the melodic pieces are longer. Than what you might normally assume is, uh, or what you might normally expect, you know, because typically a melody in what we think of in a lot of songwriting is the hook, right? So it's mm-hmm. it occupies a very certain amount of time because it's repetitive and what have you. So and sometimes that's what's interesting about uh, a lot of post rock is it's not like there's no melody built into it, but sometimes the melody is much longer and it's not repeated. So you can find little segments of a song that you like that you just have to go back to every time or something like that. So that album was really great. And the other album that I really enjoyed um, was Talk. I liked Talk a lot as well. That one was also one that stood out to me quite a bit. I'd say that those two, like I agree with you on those two. And I'd say that I think the next one would have been the very last one. Because I like that they got a little darker and heavier for like that last album that they had, or at least most most recently last album. Because the last one that we listened to, uh, you know, Viker, I suppose is how you pronounce it. Yeah, is a little bit closer to what we're familiar with with um, bands like Godspeed and This Will Destroy You and stuff like that. The Mm tonality is a little bit closer to that. It's still not as loud. Uh, but there's the the guitar is a little more present in that. The texture, in terms of guitar tones, is a little more on par with what we see there, and it is a little bit darker, and it is a little bit more um, dynamic bass to an extent. It still doesn't really get like the growing, you know. But that's not a cigarros situation, you know. They're kind of more of like, like I said, it's a wider growth. It's a growth that increases the density to an extent more so than it does or uh or like exp- uh you know sometimes the growth in a cigarros type post uh post rock song isn't about dynamics or about a swell but it's about uh fleshing out a certain idea even you know what i mean yeah so yeah those are those are the two that stood out to me the last one that stood out to me just because it was closer to what we were what you know i'm used to dealing with um, but I just really like the talk. It was just really interesting. I actually, the, I don't know how to pronounce this album, but the parentheses album. Oh, that's the thing that doesn't have a pronunciation. That's kind of the, the whole idea of that album. Oh, that nice. album is odd. Like in terms of the way that they approached it, it's a little bit too like, um, and I know that Jared, Jared will appreciate that. I would refer to anything that they do in this way. Uh, it's kind of just pretentious, like the way that they approached that whole album, because that album does not have a title. Um, it the songs initially did not have names; they were all just untitled one, two, three, so on and so forth. Um, and then there was this like in the in the album there was like this um booklet of like blank paper where you could like draw pictures of the things you think of while you listen to it nice it's like yeah okay sure <laughs> that's fine Whatever. i guess i mean that's kind of how it feels because it's kind of like the. i found it really surprising coming after well i found it surprising for two reasons one it was the song we listened to after uh i'll which i really enjoyed and mm-hmm. then to hear it's really super uh light that album's just really light yeah you know there's not it's there's no heaviness to it at all 
which is kind of weird because I was expecting a really, I think that on Algaiti's Beryun, there's a really great blend of harder sounds and softer sounds. Mm-hmm. And they don't always all, it's not like on every track, but throughout the album and on the tracks where they do mix, I think that the balance is really great. Coming into this album, where it's just all really light sounds, heavily synth-based, and like a little bit of keys-based, it's just a lot different. And, I mean, it kind of just feels like an oral thing like that. It kind of feels like uh, it occupies a space in your mind where you can just like think about whatever. But also, in the same time, it kind of like allows you to get to a place where you just don't really pay much attention to it. And it just kind of begins and ends, and I don't really know what I've listened to almost. Yeah, they are definitely the closest I think we've ever got. Well, maybe Swans at different points, but more consistently, they're probably the closest we've ever gotten to doing like an ambient group. Yeah. Um, Where it's mo like 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 both the bracket album, I guess, is um the the terminology that makes the most sense rather than just saying the one without a name. Uh, the Bracket album, and then Valtari is another one where both of them are just like, it's pretty much just like an ambient album with like um, Yonsi's vocals just kind of like being weird and swirly, but not necessarily doing anything. Because the other thing on the, the Bracket album, I don't know if you, um, if either of you looked into that album a lot more um, or noticed this. Because of just the just the way that the the um their songs and their albums typically function, did it sound like he was kind of saying the same thing over and over again to you when you were listening to that album? Either or. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't think that his I don't think that his lyrical portion was as pronounced as it was in uh, some of the other releases. So I'm not even sure that I paid that much attention to it. I would imagine you probably would not have. Jared, did you at any point think to yourself, it sounds like he's saying the same thing over and over again? Maybe that's just always how you felt, but... I mean, it's it's not even worth... It, it got to the point with the, the lyrics. It wasn't even worth attempting to try and listen to any of it. Like, to try and... Like, just pay attention or care about any of it because I know you have something probably that you're about to like get set up for this or whatever, but like it just, it all just kind of blended because of the way that they uh, make songs. So no, I would, I mean, I would agree. That's why I, that's why I think that they're a good example of why like, there doesn't always have to be like music doesn't have to have like lyrics and vocals to be necessarily good. Hmm. Um, but that's, this, an, that's an opinion. It is. I understand that you could feel, but that. it's like, okay. Like I, I don't, uh, this may surprise you. I don't speak Icelandic. You don't have to. Oh I know because, because they made up their own language. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. So the, the bracket album, their third album, um, is well, they use it a little bit on the fir- the second album, but this one in particular uses what they call Hopelandic, mm-hmm. um, which is just meaningless syllables that sound good with the music. It's, it's gibberish. It's gibberish. Literally, it's, that's what they said. Yeah, it's literal gibberish that they have. And that album, the Bracket album, has only eleven syllables that were used in the entire album. So he would just use the same like. Just in different, like, various forms. Like, if I said body do were my three I could use, sometimes I go do ba or body de do. Like, that's the whole album is just picking different syllables and putting them in different spots every once in a while. It's it's gibberish. It is literally gibberish. It is meaningless, but it sounds good. That's the whole idea of them doing Hopelandic the way that they do. Um so you might listen to it and like, cause that's where it's like, it doesn't really matter if they're sending singing Icelandic or Hopelandic to like a Western audience. Cause we don't understand it either way. So yeah, if you, didn't you don't look know in, the difference. Necessarily. Yeah. Like if you didn't look into it, then you wouldn't even know that the syllables or the words they were saying did or did not have any meaning. Yeah. I told uh, a long time ago when I, for some reason uh, I was talking to my ex-girlfriend a long time ago uh at the time and uh i brought up this group which i have no idea why and i had mentioned that they uh 
had their own like the, the the words were made up and they had their own language and then later like this week i was like oh i think i'm wrong about that and it took me like all those years to realize i was not actually wrong but it like it's only partially true because not every song is that way right it, but you don't I, I there's no way for me to know the difference between what the gibberish is and what the Icelandic is other than I suppose if you look up the lyrics on like genius or whatever, Mm -hmm. then theoretically it would say this is the translated English of from Icelandic. And then Mm -hmm. there's really no way to translate a made up language that really has no meaning. If it is literally gibberish. Well, I think that when it comes down to it, that ultimately it doesn't matter like, I don't think that they're a group where I would need to sit down and, like, read through what each word meant and when it, like, like, I don't have to translate all of it. Because, I it, like, the fact that they made up a gibberish language to sing their music in, I think, is an indication that they know it doesn't really matter. You know, like, they're like, what we're singing right now is not the most important piece of what we're doing here. Perhaps it's just how I sing it. Because he's got, like, such a ridiculously, like, high, like, weird, like, ethereal, like, just, like, spirity voice that, like, it's just always, it's more, again, like, a a layer of the music rather than, like, listen to what I am saying right now. Like, it's not, it's not for that. So I don't think it even matters if it's one or the other. It's also probably a good, like, uh, choice for understanding uh, your potential expansion, right? I mean, sure. once you realize, because it's not like when you write music in English, where so many people throughout the world understanding, like English has, you know, there are countries where even countries where a lot of people don't speak English, where English, like songs with English lyrics are popular and people know the lyrics to an English song. Or even countries but, that they're, they're like, their first language is not English, but they will teach people. Like there are multiple like Asian countries and sure. But even so it doesn't matter. Like there's lots of places where they don't speak. Most people don't speak English at all. Sure. You can still go over there and people will sing English songs. Right. Yeah. That's English, but nobody speaks Icelandic. Right. Outside of Iceland. So like understanding that your lyrical content isn't as important as how you're singing it is probably pretty important for attempting to breach a certain level of, popularity or at least um access you know what i mean so that's probably a wise decision regardless right to focus more on the lyrics in terms of melody than of context yeah no i agree i mean you're you're very right because there is a certain point where you basically just have to say if we don't want to only exist in iceland we're gonna have to do something kind of different here to make it work um and I think that what they do does work. I think there's a reason that like they're featured in so many films and TV shows and commercials and like so many like just like a, a wide array of different things is because it works regardless of it being from other countries, which is typically not the case. Like when it comes down to it, we don't generally especially in Western countries, especially in Western countries, listen to music that comes from different languages and say, oh, this is still really good even though I don't understand it. We kind of just immediately write it off. Right. Almost almost always. There are very, very few instances I can think of where like, we have like a song that's in Spanish that we say, I really like this song even though it's in Spanish. We have a little bit more of that Let's now. Feliz, Feliz Navidad. I do want to listen to the Macarena. That's it. The, the two most prominent examples. Technically, the Macarena it does have some English because they go, hey, Macarena. They do. Hey is an ah. English, English word. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but like it's uh, now there's a little bit more of um, a popularity to like Spanish language in music in uh. like America specifically, really. Yes. Um, Desposito and Bad Bunny. Types, uh, types of things like that. Yeah, it's, it's gaining more traction, but it, you're not going to have like someone who's singing Icelandic typically that we'd say, oh, yeah, this is so good that it transitions into our music no problem and becomes not necessarily like 
commercial like commercially massive but certainly at least like um known like there are people who know who this group is even they, if- i think that uh i think that they had their time of being relevant which was like 15 years ago yeah and i mean they haven't had a new album in what like uh 10 years almost eight yeah eight uh and uh no, I thought it came out in 2012. 13. 2013. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they had some other things, other projects and such, like uh, film scores and such, but mm-hmm. um, nothing that's been like as relevant as the songs that were in film and television. Uh, like, Most certainly from, uh Their song was in We Bought a Zoo. And I thought, no, I thought that he, well. I thought Yonsi just uh, scored We Bought a Zoo. Uh, it, it, no, it said that uh, one of the songs was in the film, mostly that Hippopola song or whatever. But yeah, like I, I, um, they're not in any way relevant anymore. I don't think. No, I don't. And they think were so. barely relevant when they were relevant. They were nominated for a Grammy. They were nominated for various uh, foreign and Icelandic awards. And they were in various film and television programs in the early 2000s. And then, like, early 2010s, late 2000s, whatever. But it's like, I don't know. Did you see that they they were signed to uh, this label because they thought that because of his high falsetto voice that high school girls would like the group? Really? Yeah. That uh, how wrong could you be? Incredibly, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, this so is not the actually, kind of that's music. Kind of interesting. Yeah, go ahead. That's kind of interesting because um, so a little bit of so when you look at the genres here for um, Cigar Rose, mm-hmm. you get like a couple of different things. You know, one of which is dream pop, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting thing for them to put up there, but. It turns out, and as as I found this week, uh, inadvertently, in fact, because I was listening to uh, a different band this week from the late 80s and even into the 90s a little bit, uh, that you all may know, who is a pretty prominent from the time period, especially for people who enjoy music. Um, so the Cranberries? Dream pop, synth pop band, Cocktail Twins. You oh, know, yeah. I, I saw that. I don't know any of their songs. They have some really awesome stuff, and they are. There's a lot of synth work in it, of course, um, but there's also lots of really cool guitar textures that maybe kind of lead to where we get with um, post rock in this period. So I was listening to their album Treasure, which has one of their popular songs called Lorelei, which is an awesome song. It's got it's a really cool My Bloody Valentine droning guitar type thing going on with some stuff over top of it. I think it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just was reading about Cocktail Twins, and I realized that they were uh, influence, influential on Sigur Rós, which is really interesting. So to think that like some of their earlier sounds, because that would have been for the album Vaughn, which um, I don't think you listened to any of, Jared. I listened to a little bit of it, and Caleb probably listened to all of it before. I did, yeah. I remember, right? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of a dream pop synth situation where they kind of start uh, – with some high falsetto thing isn't something that's like super dramatically outside of the world of pop that people might like, mm-hmm. you know? So it kind of makes sense understanding that maybe this band is going to be like this. Maybe with his voice, these certain people will be kind of turned on, but to the end of this music and um, like it, and we can maybe sell it to these people. I'm not sure that's such a huge stretch in terms of understanding some of like the early work and the early influences and where they were kind of leaning towards initially, even though they didn't really, go that route long term yeah i just don't know what they thought like because obviously they have some kind of care about uh commercialism so like you know they that they named that song the money song because they knew it would be uh money a a popular song and they seem to have some kind of care on um like mainstream success but how can you make the music that they made and then think that you would have like like be on the par with you two? 
Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of... But the well, thing like, is, like, I don't even know... Even, like, Vaughn, like, if they had said, like, oh, I think people really like this, Vaughn is, like, mostly just, like, again, like, an ambient electronic, like, album that doesn't really feature a whole lot of, like, prominent vocals. So, like, if they were really, like, oh, yeah, like, the girls are going to love their vocals, they didn't even really use them, like, that prominently. So, it's no. not like the girls are going to be like, oh, wow. And another another thing that people care about wow. with popular uh, music is the ability to sing along to it. Yeah. And you know what you can't do to sing along to a song is if the, the language is made up. <laughs> you could really, really learn the syllables over time. I don't know. It's very interesting. But the thing I guess I don't know is... If they have like multiple hit songs in Iceland or not, you know, like if they care about being popular there and they have like 10 number one songs there, which I mean, I, I could look it up, but I'm going to say they don't. I'm sure they probably do. I'm sure that I Iceland's probably pretty pumped about them. Like that's not as though like, I mean, there's only a few, um, examples of Icelandic groups that like were more global success like basically them and Björk you know yeah and then like the more modern one being of Monsters and Men like oh, the, oh yeah that's right like that's about the best that's about all that's their 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 holy holy trinity right there they have five hit songs in Iceland oh is that it they have a uh, one number one song which is Glossoli and then uh Gobbledygook got to number nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any Mer Singer, Vital Singer got to number eight, and then five years later, uh, Bryn is Stein and is Jockey from Kevker got to fourteen and twelve. Look, at you have tried so many of those. They were, I just I'm proud of you for all of them are wrong, but there you just say. Because if you look, uh, I don't at, think that like Bre- the pronounce Brennenstein. I don't think is wrong. The, it, well, it might be. If you look at the pronoun, like, because I looked, I looked at the entire Wikipedia page just to try and get some information, and uh, they would put the uh, pronunciation kind of thingy in uh, at the end of uh, mm-hmm. the word. Yeah, and there was no, not even. I've never even seen those symbols in my whole life. You wouldn't even. So know there's how no to way try. to even like. It's like a little drawing almost. <laughs> For you, yeah, it would be. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, we wouldn't have known. Wikipedia is a worldwide, uh, you know, database. So, yeah, you know, I'm not. There's going to be some things I don't know. Obviously. Right. Well, it's funny because you say like they look like drawings, but like technically, like all oh, written language Listen, looks like that if you don't know what it is. Like if like for someone who like I I that doesn't matter. We can get it. You get it. Because they had so I, was, I I copied a few things of what they were in. Uh, they had an appearance song-wise in uh, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. They did the Simpsons theme. They did. And were in an episode of The Simpsons in 2013 called The Saga of Carl. They were in a few... These are the songs, not the group, I would right. say. Uh, Black Mirror, which is a popular Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like several films, as I mentioned before, so it's like, it they're recognizable, I suppose. Uh, and but I, like, I don't know if I've ever listened to them and thought, oh, it's that group from Iceland that has a f- made up. You know, it's funny when we brought yeah. this up uh, last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, we said we're going to do sugar Seeger roast. Uh, I said I'm going to watch Garden State. I remember you saying that. And guess what? I looked at the soundtrack for Garden State. They're not even in it. Nope. I don't even oh know what God. I'm talking yeah, about. Nope. Uh, before, no clue. Before we get too far, <laughs> because we have not played anything now in yeah, 35 yeah. minutes, let's go ahead and play that Simpsons theme, because that should be fun. I'm sure that had they chose that to be the theme song, that that show would have just done way better. Way more seasons would there have been of The Simpsons had it been a case that they used that as the theme instead. No. 
I know. Not that the theme had anything to do with the actual like popularity of the show, but like I like that it's like it's very them, but it also is like this would be a terrible theme song. <laughs> like nobody would listen to it. Can you believe this. two episodes in a row we did people that have done the Simpsons theme song? Every week. If we it, did Green if Day. It, it's gotta be either Weird Al, Simpsons, or both. It's the only way. Can you I We have no crazy. Weird Al here, which is just sad. I, I Could can't. you imagine a Weird Al Sigaros? Oh, I am afraid that it would come off as um, Hulkaros. Okay, that I'm getting closer Ooh. to. I was going to say that it might have come off as insensitive because he probably would have just started making his own like Icelandic language. So it would have sounded like he was parodying the entire language of Icelandic. And? Like. I mean, he did that for the Nirvana cover. People don't like when people do that. He did that for the Nirvana That's what they did with their own Smells like Nirvana. He did gibberish in that. Well, no, he was gargling water in that. (laughs) (laughs) That's different. I'm just thinking an entire Cigarro song uh, that's made up of nothing but various different registers of accordion. Oh. Now you are talking my language. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, he plays the accordion, but he uses like a, a, a cello, um, a, like straight to a bow. Yeah. yeah. Like the bow to, to play it somehow. Somehow. I don't know how that would work, but. I don't either. If anyone can figure out, it's weird as thousands. It's true. It's true. You um, know, the best use of their music in uh, some type of a visual format is in The Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu. Mm. I don't know if you all seen that movie. It's Wes Anderson's great movie. I think I think that it typically works for any kind of film or television moment that's supposed to be kind of like intentionally serene, I guess would be the way to put it. So like that's a good example of like like if I was looking out into the ocean, I would want to hear this music. Yeah, but they're not looking out into it. They're just in a they're in a submersible. They're a in bunch a of people crammed into a submersible in in under the ocean. Mm. Down in the ocean. So it's but it's a it's a culminating it. point of the film. So Ah, oh, okay. I thought maybe it would be like a moment where like they were like looking into the, the, the bottom of the ocean or out into the sky or something like that. No, it's it's culminating. Steve gotcha. or uh, Steve, Bill Murray's character. He's That's kind of cool. on a life journey, and I think at this point he's finally reaching a point of of validity under the ocean with a bunch of people in a submersible. Did you see they covered uh, the national? I did see that. Yeah. That, that was, was the game it. of Thrones thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say that the national had initially done that song, but then the they reigns of Castamere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, did you guys look into um, Tyler catch me? Cause I know you did enough. Uh, it's Yonsi, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Did you guys look into Yonsi at all as like a as a musician or a person? Is that the lead singer you're talking about? Yes. I, yeah. I saw that, well, maybe that's not the right word to use. He is blind in his right eye from birth as a result of a broken optic nerve from the brain. You you can indeed say it. Uh it's not I don't think I, I don't huh. think that it's a mystery to Yonsi that his eyes definitely don't look in the same direction all the time. Like that's kind of the idea of like having one blind eye is that it's probably not always going to be like right on track with the one that's like functioning. Uh-huh. So it's very, it, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I've ever seen like, um, I don't think I've ever actually looked at him like for a longer duration of time. I watched him do an interview and I learned about him quite a bit. He's very, very quiet, very reserved guy. Yeah. Um, like, you can tell that he's uncomfortable while giving interviews. Like even the interviewer was like, are you feeling more comfortable now? He's like, yeah, now that I know you're not like a total asshole, like I feel a bit more comfortable. He's like, I'm glad I'm not a total asshole. (laughs) Like he was like, you can just tell he's very, he was definitely not interviewed by Bill Moore then. He was interviewed by Nardwar though. (laughs) Oh yeah. Of course. I knew that would make you happy. Oh Um, man. I should have watched that one. A lot of the, what did they give him? I don't. I didn't watch oh, the whole man. thing. Do you, do you want to Nardwar, find out? No. Okay. I don't care enough. Okay. Nardwar gives some great gifts. I did uh, see. So he doesn't uh, speak English uh, very well. The lead singer. No, he does. I don't know because the thing I saw. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just doesn't speak it often enough to have confidence in it. Because I read that during a performance, uh, the only thing he said in English the entire time 
uh, something like broke, like the they yeah. they broke a, a speaker, which doesn't make any sense to me because it's not like right powerful music necessarily. But I mean, I guess it could be live sometimes. Yeah, but uh, I, I actually said, I watched a whole like hour and a half like um, performance. I think it was like a Walt Disney Studio thing. I don't. Oh my! I know it was it was odd, but Did it they was do like the Fantasia movie. That'd be cool. I think it might have been it. Uh, no, they it was like a big like orchestral piece where they also played with like a giant set of musicians. Uh-huh. Um, but they get pretty loud with the their performances live, from what I could tell. But go but on, anyways, he he ba- he was like, that was strange, wasn't it? And then that was the only thing he said in English the whole time. Yeah, I did read that the bassist. Uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna try to say any names. Sure, because there's only two members left. Yes, uh, it's the lead singer. And then, is it the bassist that's left? Is that the uh, last Yes, because the drummer was the one who had some... Um, allegations. Allegations. Oh, dear. Uh, and then yeah, the other... Th- what, happened, what about... It? Is there another person left? So, there's just two. It's Yonsi, and then uh, um, I think it's oh Joji. Oh, that's I think a it's different jo- guy. Joji Hom. Um, He's the one that does most of the press, mm-hmm. because it said that he speaks English the best. So, mm. he's the one that... Uh, is responsible for like press tours and stuff. I think that like watching the interview that he did, which was not too long ago, I think it was maybe 2018, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, maybe even 17 or 16, but not too long ago. He was pretty fluent. Like it wasn't as well, but that would have been years after that. Sure. And also, he has done solo work in that time, mm-hmm. and you cannot rely on your bandmates to do press for you if you've left the band to do solo work. So Well, his solo album, get, Go, is in English. Yeah. So, you have to be confident enough to do a solo thing to uh, try and sell it. So I'm not surprised in a 2018 interview yeah. that he's more fluent in a language after being... Certainly. Like... Because the the group started in like nineteen ninety five or yeah ninety five or something. It like was that. quite early. Yeah, their first album I believe was in ninety was Vaughn in ninety seven or ninety six. Maybe it was ninety five. I'm trying to remember. Regardless, I'm yeah, just yeah. like, you know, when you first start out, they were in the nineties. You know, they were obviously from Iceland, and mm-hmm. but all of this time of touring in the U S. and such, you're gonna learn at least a few things. Like Vaughn was released in ninety seven. Uh, yeah. Like uh, this is very. It's kind of irrelevant, but not really, but like professional wrestlers that go to Japan and mm-hmm. wrestle there for like 15 years or whatever. Like they're going to pick you up don't go. Japanese. Yeah. You don't go to Japan and already know how to speak Japanese usually. Right. But if you're going to spend years and years in a country, I eventually you pick lived, some things up. I have a friend who's lived in South Korea now for seven, no, six or seven years. And yeah, of course they've picked up some of the language, you know, like mm-hmm. they've been in that, yeah. in that you're region gonna, for a long to. time. Yeah. You have to. Um, but no, I agree. Um, but again, like I said, he, so he had a a solo album in 2010 by the name of go. Mm. Um, and that is sung in English. I think throughout, like, I think the whole thing was sung in English. At least a good majority of it was from what I could tell. The singer from the group that Tyler brought up earlier, cocktail twins. Is that what you called it? Yep. Okay. That singer was on his album. So it's kind of cool that he cited them as an influence and later, assuming it was later, I suppose he, Tyler could have read that quote after the album had come out. You know oh I mean? yeah. Like, Oh yeah. I, I seen them as a inspiration. So it's a big honor that I'm doing something with them now. Like, yeah. That kind of yeah, thing. yeah. Like once they're already on there, but if they said that back in like 98, this is somebody that I like strive to be like, and then like 20 years later, like this week, um, like just a couple days ago, um, the Killers had a song with Bruce Springsteen. And it's the first time that they've ever done anything with Bruce Springsteen. But you know from Sam's Town that it was Bruce bound Springsteen to was, well, not, not that it was bound to happen, but that he influenced them. Yeah. And so it's cool when an artist is able to do something with somebody that obviously influenced them. Sure. But, you know, like if he said it because they were on the, you know, like, Oh, we were able to get this feature for you. Oh, okay. Well, I was influenced by, by them now. Sure. Because, like, I have to say something kind about them. Yeah. Did you read about their tax evasion? I did see a little bit about that. <laughs> I did see a little bit about that. They were accused in 2019, which is really late, uh, like, for being a band. You sure. Know, like, of uh, tax evasion. 
they had submitted incorrect tax returns from the years 2011 uh, to 2014 and evaded 1.151M Icelandic krona, which seems like a lot. I don't know what that equates. I don't know. It could be like 50 bucks, really. We don't even know. A lot of krona right there. Yep. But they blamed their former accountant and said they were cooperating with the authorities, and then it was dismissed in October. So if you ever have tax issues, blame your accountant, and it'll be taken care of. That's it. That's the way to do it. That was the lesson that we learned today. Yes. We've learned. The other, I was going to mention this too. So in the interview, the other thing he was talking about um, was a collaborative project that he was doing with um, his then partner, Alex Summers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were together for, I think, I think like 16 years. That's why, that's exactly the number that I was thinking. I think they were together for 16 years. Um, and they made music together during that time. It's more like ambient music, like it's actual like ambient electronic music, a lot less um, like even vocal than what we hear in Sigur Rós. Um, so that's another thing that he's done that I was going to mention as well. It's just that like he's definitely done uh, like he's done film scores, he's done solo work, he's done collaborative work. He's in Sigur Rós. Like he's he's done quite a bit at this point in time. So you know he hasn't done anything like super prominent in a while. If I remember correctly, his second solo album was actually last year. So he had one in 2010 and one in 2020. Um, and I think that maybe, yeah, so the collaborative album with his partner, they did do another one. Uh, it's Yonsi and Alex. Um, and uh, they did another one in 2019. Oh, yeah. And they also he's also doing something uh, called Dark Morph, but I didn't listen to anything from it. Did you see the thing, thing with Radiohead? Um, I know that they were pretty related to it. Like I knew that like Radiohead liked them and they liked Radiohead. And I think they, perf- like they toured together like in the either late nineties or early two thousands. But what else are you thinking? Of? They released something in 2004 called Baba Tiki Didu. Oh, I, I did see that. Uh, with, uh, a, a thing with Radiohead. I guess it was a split or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, those are the only recorded words were those baba tiki ba ba di do and the track listing is as follows track one baba track two tiki track three di do that feel good for you jared this says radiohead wrote music to the second half of split sides but are not planning on releasing their contribution well tom york that is just rude. You just wait. There was a co- there were like just a couple of years ago where they released like twenty four hours of material. Oh, maybe it was by accident. Oh, uh, Radiohead. They, I think it got leaked. Wasn't it the uh, leak yeah. the leak tapes of all the stuff they did during Kid A? Yeah. No, it was the OK Computer tapes. That's what it was. Didn't you listen like, to that? Because they they were only like, going to be on uh online for like a small period of time, and then they're yeah. deleting them forever. Yeah, it was like twenty four hours. I think I got through like six, and I was like, it isn't worth it. <laughs> it's just not worth it anymore. Um, they do. I mean, you could definitely see Radiohead like kind of style within what Sigurós do. Obviously, like um, they tend to go a little bit more rock and even like pop oriented. Like, there's more evident like song structures and hooks uh, more often in their music. But they definitely have times where they're doing more of like just kind of like the weird woozy electronic business. Tyler, you got any fun bits? So if, I mean, we've been talking about a bunch of fun bits. I don't want you to feel like you don't, you can't have any fun bits too. Yeah, so I double checked. Uh, the item that Nardwar gave Sigoros when he interviewed them was a Iron Maiden picture disc. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, because he said that he's he, the first album, like he no. The first song Yancey ever learned mm-hmm. was a uh, Iron Maiden song. Yeah. And I think called he, Rat Child. I think he's also talked about how and he loves uh, Iron Maiden. He likes to listen to Iron Maiden and get drunk. He likes Iron Maiden. He he listened to Iron Maiden when he was growing up, which is weird to think the type of music he makes when some of perhaps some of the earliest musical influences in his life were metal. Yeah, no, that it is interesting, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so it's weird to think that what he did, but that's what it, that's what he ended up giving him because uh, he was an Iron Maiden fan. The first song he ever learned on guitar, I'm assuming, was Iron Maiden, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That, that that's not who taught him how to use the bow on the guitar, apparently. But you know, 
Hmm. Did you just watch an entire Nardwar interview while we were having a podcast? I watched only the intro of it. Okay, okay. Well, he I gets... had already actually I had already read about his first song being Iron Maiden before I saw, but then I watched it and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Then. I wonder yeah. how big uh, Iron Maiden are in Iceland. That'd be interesting. He said they came to Iceland when he was like a teenager. Hmm. And he saw them in Iceland as a teenager. That would have been interesting. So it's just weird. It's just weird to think. I don't know if uh, I'm not sure that Iron Maiden is necessarily the metal band that has, you know, some metal bands do have a cinematic element to them to an extent. Like a Black Sabbath. Yeah. Or uh, I'm, I don't know. You know, some metal has some cinematic stuff sometimes. Black Sabbath sure. is a good example in some of the work. But I'm not. I'm not sure that Iron Maiden is one of them. Yeah, necessarily. Not typically. No. I figured out the U.S. dollars of uh, how much they evaded in taxes. I like that we're all doing like <laughs> weird research, like as other people are talking now. <laughs> it's one million two hundred thirty-three thousand eight hundred sixty-one dollars and seventy-four cents. All right, that's a good amount of money. That's a lot. Yeah, one point two million dollars is quite a bit to evade. I would say so. That's probably the net. And then, like, that's not the amount that they evaded. That's the amount that they claimed, and then they didn't pay their, uh, let's say, 20% in Iceland. Who knows? Sure. I, uh, We were talking about uh, film scores and stuff. Um, this is one that I forgot that I wanted to mention. Uh-huh. Um, he also was involved in um, a franchise. He had a song in three of the installments of said franchise. Not one one might expect. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, yeah. He was in. He had three songs. Yeah, I did he see had a that. song in each one of the three How to Train I, Your Dragon. I did Dragon see films. that. He wrote songs for all of those. He had. Cool. So he recorded a song called Sticks and Stones. Yeah, I for listened the to score. that. I listened to that. He also had a song called Tornado that was in the arena show adaption of the film. Huh. Then he co wrote the song Where No One Goes for the sequel. And then he also co wrote the melody for a song. And then he also uh, wrote and performed the song together from afar for the last movie. Wow. A lot of how to train your dragon. How did they build that relationship? You know? Man likes dragons. He must. It must be it. Not only that, but DreamWorks Animation created a music video for the song he wrote for the first one for Sticks and Stones. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. That's a lot of effort right there. Yeah. He did not build the same relationship when he did... Uh, a song for one of the Studio Ghibli movies. She did do that as well. Did, the, did, didn't keep happening. The author of the book is British, so that doesn't uh, that doesn't like fix the the question that we have of how he got involved in it. I kind of forgot it was a book at all. I didn't know either. I just I was trying to figure out, you know, like what how to solve that mystery. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Somebody, I don't know what this is. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Should we play the How to Train Your Dragon song? Yeah, we should. Sticks and stones. Jer, would you say that was your favorite Secret Girl song? No, I prefer uh, Hippopolis still. But okay. he's uh, he's the regular old uh, Icelandic Randy Newman. I, You know what? That's it. That's the one. You figured it out. <laughs> Randy Newman. Hey, has he done anything that's uh, questionable in terms of race relations in Iceland? Oh, I don't know. Has he? I don't know. You can't be Randy Newman unless you do something like that. Oh, no. Oh, no. I uh, Listen, that, I was gonna take it a more fun direction. Imagine that was Randy a, Newman making his own Hopelandic kind of sound. Oh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I was gonna, Are you gonna? I want to so bad, but I know I'm gonna mess it up, oh. so I can't. Oh no! I'm trying to. I don't even. I'd have to start like I have to start <clears throat> doing my Randy Newman voice first, and then go into like a scat form of of made up words. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm not gonna do it right oh, now, but man. I'm gonna practice it. That'll later. be a bonus. That'll be at the end of All this. Right. Yep, I'll send I'll send Tyler the Don't turn the, the off the podcast later. too quickly. 
<laughs> There's a hidden bonus track. <laughs> and thank God there is. Uh, we are getting off the rails. So is there um, is there anything else that we would like to chat about? Tyler, How do, do you feel like you, uh, you came out pleased from uh, covering Sigurós this week? Do you think you, like, you walked away with anything you'd like to listen to in the future? Or do you think you're just like, I'm glad I listened to it and now I'm done? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. I I had listened to uh, at least I was had some familiarity with Algaiti's uh, Berion before, so mm-hmm. you know that's kind of what I was. Ex- I actually didn't get what I was expecting in a, in a bit of a disappointing way because I was hoping for a little bit more. Okay, it ended up being a little bit more, um, just kind of easy to push back into the background ambient not really focus on and enjoy quite as much as i anticipated from sure. because i really like that album the sounds of that album and i just don't think that they revisit as much of the melodic stuff that comes from that in a lot of the other releases but i didn't know a lot about talk and i really enjoy that one mm-hmm. so i'm glad to have found that album and you know the later work's fine the, the most recent release i like i enjoyed for the most part i don't think i would go to it before i went to I mean, it reminds me of Godspeed and things like that. And I really just think I would probably stick with the post-rock groups I'm more familiar with in those genres because it's just kind of my preference. Yeah. But I do think it was a good album, and I think it was pretty good. Uh, Voltari, I really am. I just, I'm not really into that. I um, Yeah, that was the one that definitely stuck with me the least, I would say. I think that, yeah, yeah I, I would say that I... I don't know if I liked the amount that I expected to... But I certainly, like, it was really like half and half. I liked three of the albums quite a bit. I was okay with three of the albums. Like, they weren't like, like, you know, they didn't blow my mind by any means. I was like, okay, I, I listened to this. I'm never coming back to this. Probably. Like, I'm never, I'm never going to re-listen to the, the Bracket album, probably. I can't imagine a scenario where I would really, really want to go back on it. Um, but I'm I, here I, for that album, really. Which I think is surprising, because from what I'm have read and like seen before it seems to be a pretty popular album i know i thought so too that's why i was kind of surprised i didn't like it a whole lot yeah um, same here yeah but like um a guy this uh Barun is one did i say that one right i think it was the first time i Barun. okay cool thank you um just just take the way you say it one time and then just have it play over and over every time someone references it anyways i really liked that album like from a couple years ago when i listened to it so that's kind of the thing that i think um pushed me to want to listen to more of them was just knowing that that album um was something i really enjoyed but i also Mm -hmm. knew that they kind of peaked early and then never found the same level of success like jared said like they kind of had their flash in the pan moment of popularity and then kind of just floated around from there like you know you can't really argue that Yonsi is like a big musician because he had songs and how to train your drag, you know, like, no. so, you know, I do think that they had the kind of their, which moment. is a cartoon that came out in 2010. So right, it's like, right, right. you're not really helping. Yeah, the but, he, thing. but he came back for the second and the third installment. So like, you know, um, but like, I, I understand that like they really were, they had their moment in the sun, but part of that is also because their albums never quite lived up to the quality of the one that like really broke them out. Um, but I think I overall enjoyed, um, listening to them. Like I said, I just think that only a couple albums were ones that like, I really, really would want to come back on. Jared, do you, are you just like, I'm going to forget about this and then move on with my life like it never happened? Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I really didn't. I I put this off as long as I could. And, uh, I had no... You did the exact thing, which is what I expected you to do, which was to um, try very little to enjoy it. I didn't try very little to enjoy it, but I there was it wasn't going to happen. You, I, it's just not something that I would enjoy. So it's not. It's, like it's kind of interesting thing. because we, while Jared was gone, Caleb, you and I covered a couple of artists. Uh, that probably like Godspeed would have been someone that Jared would have been likely to enjoy more than Sigaros. Probably, just kind of, you know. So it's it, we try to avoid that for the sake of him not really being into it. But yeah, um, hmm. yeah, that didn't, didn't quite do it, did it? I but it's he, like he I also mean, would have liked Massive Attack more too. Uh, probably. Yeah, he would have. I only know one of their songs more. too because uh, Doctor House. Um, House. But it's like. 
I I will not go back to this ever, other than like if it just pops up or whatever. Right. But um, it was very difficult to listen to, and not enjoyable very much at all. But uh, and I could have like, I probably could have not listened to it and still been able to do this. But I like did it because we are doing this podcast thing. And uh, it's part of the rules. It's part of the rules, unfortunately. <laughs> but, but like, what would you have done if it wasn't part of the rules? Though the whole the whole show would be like, like me and Tyler, like, yeah, we listen to all the music. And Jared's like, yeah, I just didn't want to this week. I Sorry, wouldn't guys. tell you. I wouldn't say it. I would just pretend. You just wouldn't talk about it. Wow. Anymore. How do we know you're not pretending right now? That's true. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't admit. Like I wouldn't have brought it up. I would have never sing, pretended not to sing every word to the song "Gobbledygook," or I won't believe you. Go. No. What are the eleven syllables in the bracket album? You should know them. You heard them. What's one of them? Ba ba dee doo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Boy. Anyways, but yeah, I don't well, know. Like, um, I I don't. I don't. Know. I get it. I I knew like I like. I guess I I always hold out hope. It, it's like uh, it'll always be this moment of like like with Swans mm. and this mm. and many other artists from like maybe Why just would maybe you think these Jared would finally it would finally click for Jared. Finally click. Yeah, that like you know maybe there's other music other than like you know, uh, oh, no. the hits, man, the hits. I don't listen to hey. only the hits. But you know what? That one of these song albums has a hit. The song that was in Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh was in an episode on March twenty fifth of this year of Grey's Anatomy. It's gonna get wild. Jared. March twenty fifth of this year. I must not have uh, oh. I watched that episode, I'm sure. It, I must not have episode uh, nine. Noticed episode it. nine right. of the seventeenth season, season. Release date, air date, original air date. OAD, March twenty fifth. Every episode They're about to blow up again. Every yeah, every episode of uh, Grey's Anatomy, it, the title of the episode is a song title, and they've done it yeah. for every episode. Wonder what that this, episode's called. It's called "In My Life." It's Beatles. A Beatles song. Oh, I thought it was related to the song that plays in. No, it's related to. Usually, it's related to something that happens in the episode. I see. That's so, right. like, That's right. uh, if uh, you told me about this before, yeah. if somebody falls from the sky and uh, without a parachute, the episode's called "It's Rain and Mad." You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen every single time. You uh, think they would have gone with free falling for that one, but that's tro- yeah. Well, that was the other episode where the other person. Oh, uh, they gotta stop There's doing that. Falls. Same. Have you not watched any Grey's Anatomy? Kid? Or you like know uh, the episode where are in this show, where uh, the fire, uh, the fireman comes in and he saves a family. And it's called burning down the house. You know, something like that. Yeah. I figured they'd call that one Rain and Men. <laughs> what? I don't know. No, it could only. be Rain and Blood. They were, they, well, no, they were hoping it would rain men so the fire would go down. It's Spoiler, the very first episode of Grey's Anatomy was called A Hard Day's Night, also a Beatles. I think that they've pretty much exhausted a lot of Beatles songs. Yeah, they probably really spent so. a lot of time with the Beatles. I never pay attention to it anymore, but when I would watch the whole, I watched the entire series on Netflix, and so as it would like... Uh, go to the next episode, I would see the title of it and kind of know. But. I will bet good money there is a Grey's... If someone go find it, there's a Grey's Anatomy playlist on Spotify oh. that has every episode in order by the song title. Do it later. Uh, it's Raining Men, by the way, is an episode title from season 16 airing in 2019-2020. I knew it! Uh, I have one more thing about. We'll Look, get I was past. Say, can we please be done with uh, about Grace this for, Icelandic yeah. group that we just covered? Yes, please. Were, their debut album, which we uh, Vaughn Vaughn, we didn't listen. Like Caleb, I think listened to it. Yeah, but he took it out of the playlist because he knew, knew we would hate it. Uh, me, I would hate it. Yeah. I think Tyler yeah. probably listened Re- to rephrase, it. Probably. I really listened to about half of it. Mm. But uh, the picture on the album is uh, his the lead singer's sister mm-hmm. as a baby. Yeah. And then the thing that I could, uh, maybe you, one of you two can solve this puzzle mm-hmm. on Voltari, the 2012 album, they bring up the sister again, but I have no idea. She's did the, she draw this picture here I or think take she, the photo? I think she took the photo. She's the name. Her name's Voltari. 
They're named the Sigurdos is named after his sister. That yeah, is true. Yeah. Well, but the sister is named after something else. Right, like I think, but I do think that she took the photo for Valtari because I remember. It, yeah, when I was looking, being... yeah, when I was looking at the Wikipedia page uh, for this album, mm-hmm. uh, it said something about the sister, yeah. who was on the cover of the debut. Yes, and I didn't connect what this album had to do with it. I'm fairly confident that she took. She the took the photo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So. And also the band's, it's the band's butt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the band's bare butt. <laughs> Their bare butt back and balls. We're, clo- we're closing this out. We're closing this out. <laughs> I knew I was going to set them off, but Tyler did no the more. He did the whole quote. No I didn't know. I thought he was just doing no a, more. Sm- a small reference, and he did the entire quote. We also had a few comments from our patrons at Patreon, which, of course, you should go check out our Patreon content because it's great. We're the best. Uh, one comment is from Jamie uh, because the way that I posted about this was basically just saying, are you familiar with them? Like, Because a lot of people, I imagine, like at this point, might not be familiar with them. Uh, Jamie said no, but they have been to Iceland before. Ooh. So really, they Ooh. probably know more about this group than we do just by proxy. Yeah, if you know Iceland culture, then you basically know them and Björk, you know? They just have... They How have, can you go to Iceland and not just see Björk on the street? I assume that there's a poster of... You know, rhymes with jerk? It's true. Uh, I assume that Björk and Jonsi are just in posters, and they just have them sprawled across different streets. It's just statues of them all over, all over, all of Reykjavik. Basically, like every every stop sign is actually a statue of one of them. You see one of them, you're like, "Oh, I need to stop here, stare at this beautiful statue, and now I may move on." Uh, the nice. other comment is from, which will make sense, and Jared, I think you'll take uh, heart with part of it. Um, is from David. I have actually listened to them a good amount, but could not tell you the name of any song, album, or band member. Which is fair, because well, yeah. they're hard. Closer than closer than most, I would say, David. Though I'd love to hear people send us them trying to pronounce various different songs or albums from the group. If anybody could send me a sound clip of them pronouncing their fifth album, I would feel great about that. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. Sorry that the end of this episode has been a mess. That is par for the course sometimes this week we're covering Sigurros and next week we're going to be talking about brand new it'll be a brand new episode about brand new check out all of our social media bits as usual you can find them all at our website recordroundtable.com thank you for listening and goodbye